0: Welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true Blue pod production. Quarterback draw, he's gotta run through him at the first down. Watch out! He's got getaway speed! Touchdown! That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time, a couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day, Saturdays, mid-time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend, full of back-to-back games, just me and my friends. Man, I love college, college football, I love March Madness, man, I love college. Yes, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Blue Bloods College Game Time Podcast. Yes, it's your boy Trey Smith.
1: And it's your boy Brandon Holmes. Welcome to the Blue Bloods Podcast, a podcast for the fans, by the fans. We are here again. I, I'm feeling a little bit more excited today, man. You know, this has been a crazy week for us. I thought we were about to lose Jim Harbaugh. Mm. Um, but Chris Bayless just came out and said, looks like Michigan and Harbaugh are coming close to a 10-year deal. Um, more money for the assistants, which is what he wanted, Um, looser transfer rules, which Mm. is what he wanted, Um, and more money going into the recruiting and the NIL deal package Mm. that's better, that's going to be competitive with the top SEC program. So sounds like, man, he used that NFL, some leverage, and um, after that whooping from Georgia, he realized this is what we need to be competing, (laughs) competitive, and we went and got it. So I'm in a good mood today, man. I can't complain.
0: I mean, a, a CFP point. appearance in an a NFL, you know, teaser got him exactly what he believes he needs for Michigan to be successful. And my team, uh, oh, the old Razorbacks, man, it's, it, it was a tough week. The portal really started hitting us, uh, mm. losing some key players. I've made a video about that. I'm not going to spend time talking about it here. Just remember, if you're just a listener, you're on one of our streaming platforms with Apple Pod or Spotify. We always post bonus content videos yep. on our YouTube channel at every Blue day. Bloods CGT. Uh, fresh college sports content every single day. Well, b Holmes. Let's get into the Blue Bloods double dribble because the one the, the thing on everybody's mind right now is the national title game, Alabama versus Georgia. We yeah. are going to break We're that game that. down and preview it. That'll be how we close out this episode. So just hang tight with us if you're listening but we're going to get into our Blue Bloods double dribble. Obviously, I mean, college football, it's the last game of the season.
1: Shh, can't believe it, man. Um, that was fast.
0: And just to clarify, too, whereas we will start probably getting, diving more into the college hoop season, there's still plenty to talk about with college football, even it's, when there's no games happening. It's year-round. I mean, <laughs> it's year-round. There's always something. I mean, there's always think, something. Think about the just the transfer portal this week. Just the, I mean, anyways, we'll get to that in a second, but Blue Bloods double dribble. B. Holmes, we had some upsets. What an upset Saturday. Talk, talk to us about a couple of those.
1: Man, um, the first one, man, I actually watched it uh, was uh, Texas Tech versus number six, Kansas. Um, and here's the crazy thing. I didn't know this until some guy uh, told me on the, on the video and, and some of the Texas Tech's group. So Texas Tech, Texas Tech beat KU 75 to 67. Um, mm. And they did it without their two leading scorers who were out for COVID. Mm. so coach adams man he's really which i was i i was really impressed because you know they got a new head coach this year oh yeah but it was the coach that the players voted on yeah and so it just made me think maybe more schools need to pay attention to what the kids want like if you want success and the kids
0: say this is the coach we'll play for then maybe you should go ahead and hire that coach oh well a little oh go ahead no go ahead i was gonna say a little background on mark adams so he was actually with Chris Beard going back to Beard's time at Arkansas Little Rock. So, oh wow, Beard was at uh, Arkansas Little Rock. <clears throat> I think they were only there for a year before coming to Tech. They were initially going to go to UNLV, and then the Tech job opened up. And but even before that, so Adams was at Texas Tech as like on the admin side, the basketball ops side with Tubby Smith. Then he went mm. to be with Beard at at, at uh, Little Rock then came back as Beard's assistant in Tech. And what he kind of became known for is he was like the defensive mastermind behind yeah, yeah, their yeah. schemes and how they how hard they played. And if you look at Texas Tech's kind of rise to prominence on the basketball side of things, they went to the Elite Eight, then they went to the National Championship game, and they essentially did it with like two- and three-star recruits that they yep. just developed and got to play extremely hard and extremely tough physical relentless just brand of basketball and then when beard went to texas which is his alma mater, um he wanted to take adams with him and I, in the press conference he said well he told me i had to get on a plane and he told me i had to wear burnt orange so i said nah i think i'll stay here in lubbock and <laughs> i think we're starting to see all throughout the season that that the identity that texas t- had under beard like they're continuing to to mm. have under Coach Adams. And uh it's the same th- their same Achilles heel to me is what it is, is they'll just go through stretches where they can't score they can't the score ball. Him. They Bastard. can't score. So it's like it doesn't shock me that they beat the number six team in the country without their two leading scorers because that's that's not what their their style of play yeah. is built around, right? It's built around playing tough, yeah, tough hard-nosed defense. defense and then you know turning that into offensive offensive points. But anyways. That's all I got on that. Go ahead. Oh yeah, didn't no, mean to, no, I, didn't I, mean to I, I, no, no. hey, there. no,
1: that, that, no, but it, it's so true because Michigan faced them, I think, like two or three years ago to go to like the Final Four or something, and they just suffocated us, man. So mm. not shocking there. But the other one I am shocked by, and I shouldn't mm-hmm. be, but I, I haven't really start diving into college hoops till really this weekend. Um, the Coach K farewell tour <laughs> had somebody mm. crash the party.
0: Mm. Miami
1: upset Duke seventy six to seventy four. The U. They you they need some good news man after this horrible football season they had they needed some good news and so i, I did a little bit of research man i didn't realize miami's 13 and three that's mm. a good like that's a good that's a good record um but not only that's man they they went to um they went to cameron indoor and, mm. and beat duke so man great game two-point win i think man i'm um i'm excited to see and i said this yesterday on tiktok um I think because of this extra COVID year, a lot of teams are getting a lot of super seniors. Mm-hmm. I think this might be one of the most interesting March madnesses we've ever seen because you have a lot more kids with that extra year, that free year of experience that they got. Yes. So this is what I said on TikTok. On our, and you can follow us on TikTok at Blue Blood CGT. Mm-hmm. I said, do not be shocked if this is the year that a non-power or a, a team that people... Expected to win, does not win the Natty. Like, mm-hmm. do not be shocked if you have a team that just comes out of nowhere. That's like, oh my goodness, when in the world did Wichita State come <laughs> from and and win a nationals because of the super seniors, because of the experience, because everybody, the the scholarships didn't count against them as normal this mm-hmm. year. So I'm interested to see like over this next uh half of the basketball season, because really, I mean, we're we're halfway I know. to February now, which means we're getting ready to go to the conference championship to get ready for March Madness. So uh, I'm interested to see how hoops kind of plays out the rest of the year.
0: Yeah. The conference slate from here on out should be real exciting from where I'm sitting right now on a college basketball side of thing. I still think it's the Baylor bears to lose. I think that them winning it last season sort of lifted their lid and now there's like this mentality to match the talent that like we're supposed to do this mm-hmm. right and what scott drew's been building for for the last two decades there um i mean it all came to a head last year finally winning busting through getting that championship you know we've we've here year in and year out about when is gonzaga going to become that yeah you know you don't really always hear it about baylor where They've kind of been that same type of team. The difference is they come from a Power Five conference, and I'm telling you, they don't have the same type of guards as they had last year. But they, what I've watched of them this year from their ability to score, their length, their—it's like they've got these Kevin Durant 2.0 type players. And what I mean by that is not that they're near his skill set or like, yeah, like right, him, right, right. but the The unique combination of of size length, and skill right yeah. most most yeah. people have that much length and that like they're not really gonna be real skilled hand with the, the ball, ball in right. their hand, yeah, yeah, and so they have a unique combination there they play just hard nosed defense as well i mean I think baylor it's it's theirs to lose this season as it pertains to college hoops, but like I always say, when march rolls around, anything's possible it's man. anything's possible, so uh, we had a couple others though. We had uh, those were our two top ten losses. Well, I guess yep. Duke was top top three, top, top two, yeah, I mean, top three. The number two team <laughs> in the country. Um, and don't don't listen. We know. I mean, Tech was top twenty five too. I mean, they were, yeah, they, they, were, they, were they, number 25. they were number twenty five. They were number twenty five. And if you didn't see that video, especially if you're a Tech fan, uh, B. Holmes put up a bonus video about that game specifically. So encourage you to go watch that to get a quick breakdown of that one. But um, man, we had Iowa State, number eleven, fell to OU. And mm-hmm. I said this weeks ago when OU and Arkansas were getting ready to play in Tulsa. I said it. OU was coming off a heartbreaking loss to, I believe, Butler, where they had allowed like a 19 or 20-point comeback in the second half. Mm-hmm. I said, Porter Moser, who, remember, he took Loyola Chicago to the Final Four. That was the the season yep. when they had the, the, the uh, I can't remember her name, the the nun, like the older nun in the wheelchair oh uh, <coughs> uh, uh, what is it um sister is it, Loyola? Yeah, yeah sister yeah Loyola women. Chicago yeah Chicago um but this guy <coughs> he is a mastermind, and I said it weeks ago, I know it looks right now, like, oh, you might be having some type of down year, but I'm telling you by the time February and March rolls around, this is They'll going be to be a team to watch, and they just put it they just took care of Iowa state um. Um, That brought you some joy, I bet. And played phenomenally. Oh, yeah, Iowa State. (laughs) What's funny is I don't even connect it to basketball. But, yeah, now that you say that, yeah, Iowa State, number 11. Um, Talk about a team that needs some good news after that disappointing football season. Uh, Number 14, Texas. So we just talked about Beard's former team. Well, now his current team, uh, they just lost to Oklahoma State. Here's what my question is going to be for Beard at, UT Mm -hmm. can he get the top rated recruits to play the style of basketball that he demands no that's that's all I'm going to leave it at and I'm not going to try and answer that question right now but I do believe if you even look at tech because after that year they went to the elite eight and then to the national championship then he brought in like some five-star like some top rated Mm -hmm. guys and they kind of Seemingly took a step back, and then, you know, kind of got back to their 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 roots. And then last year, in fact, played I think Arkansas in the second round and lost to go to the Sweet 16. But when you're at Texas, you're gonna get the top players in the country. I mean, you're at a place where you can go get the actual Kevin Durant of 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 the the world. world. (laughs) And I just wonder, will he be able to get them to play the style of ball that he believes in? And it's very similar to the question that I asked about Shaka Smart. Because you look at Shaka Smart and the success that he had at VCU with that havoc style of basketball, mm. and then he comes to Texas, and it was just a different type of player that he was getting in. And they, I don't right. feel like Texas was really ever able to play the style of basketball that Shaka Smart truly believes in, which right. is why he went to Marquette. And, and I don't know win. how they're doing currently, but I know to start the season they they open the season with like a couple of big time uh, upsets, uh, Mm -hmm. playing the style of ball that he believes in. So we'll have to see how it plays out. The thing about Chris Beard though, I mean, this guy's coached in the, he uh, coached in the ABA. He's, I mean, he's won literally everywhere he's been. So I'm sure he'll figure it out, but I just something to keep an eye on as he gets his, his tenure with the Longhorns uh, kicked off, um, or I should say tipped off. (laughs) Um, (laughs) number 15, Alabama fell to Missouri. Um, You know, Alabama, they're, I hate to say this as an Arkansas fan, but they, they're actually a fun team to watch because they kind of play that old-school Loyola Marymount style of ball. You know, mm. you know the system, if you ever mm. watched the 30 for 30, yeah. that's about <laughs> it, but with the Hank Gathers, Bo Kimball, where it was just get up and down. You're shooting threes and layups and dunks, man. And that's, that's how they play, and you kind of live and die when you play that style of ball. But, but that's fun. Um, fun to watch they fell to missouri it is fun to watch but missouri took care of them and then finally to wrap up the the double dribble at least all that i have this week is uh uh, colorado state they were undefeated uh number 20 team in the country they 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 suffered their first loss and uh who'd they lose to i can't even oh san diego state san diego state Uh, brady hoke uh, yeah, well, yeah, San coach Diego coach State. Coach. And I don't know is old boy still there? Uh, uh Fab Five, Michigan's coach. Um, oh, or did he retire finally? I he's, he's been retired. there for years. I thought he Steve, retired. Steve. Uh, uh.
1: Oh, you about to get me in trouble? I Come have on, watched. I'm
0: gonna get you in trouble because this. Oh,
1: one... oh my gosh! You know, you know what I'm talking never, about though. Yeah, but if you would have never asked me that question, I would have gave you the answer.
0: Won the title with. Uh, uh, he is not there, so you're off the hook. Brian, what season is this for him? Oh, I guess he hadn't been there for a few years, huh? (laughs) Steve Fisher. Steve Steve Fisher. Fisher, There you go, just in time. Okay, so his last season was all all the way back in 2017. Oh, okay. (laughs) Showed you how in the loop I've been with San Diego State. They've just continued to be good, so I just figured he was still there. He was still there. Oh. Yeah. Okay, Brian Dutcher.
1: Where did he come from? Let's see. Oh, he was his assistant. System guy. That sounds
0: like Steve. Oh, and Dutcher was his assistant at Michigan. Okay makes sense. Okay, so there's some Michigan roots right there. Come some on. more Michigan roots with San I'm Diego State. For them now now that I know. They're like they're like Wolverine West Coast Wolverines, man. Football really and basketball. Man. Football and basketball. That's awesome. So, anyway, so Colorado State lost first lost season. They were number 20 team in the country, but basketball it, it's only going to get more and more exciting from this point on as january plays in you get into february where you're getting into the second half of conference slate early march you get into those conference tournaments and we will have all the action as uh the blue blood college game time podcast continues to uh play out and and, and go week to week but be homes yep you hit me with this you said we got to talk about it the ohio state saga Oh my Anytime gosh. you get a chance to to, to have a topic it's like crazy. this, I know it it, it touches a special <laughs> spot in your heart. <laughs> it does, it does. So for
1: those of y'all who don't know, um, he was a like, uh, a safety, safety cornerback. He played defensive backfield for Ohio State. Marcus Williamson, Marcus Williamson, um, tweeted he actually opted out of the Rose Bowl um, and started tweeting during the Rose Bowl about his experience at mm-hmm. Ohio State. Um and you know you and you can go read them. Essentially, I'm gonna give you a, a Sparks' note, a Cliff Notes version, where he was just pretty much saying how essentially dysfunctional the system is ran. Um, the things he tweeted though, Trey, didn't surprise me. If you have any z- semblance or a resemblance of what or knowing what college sports is like, mm. it's not shocking. Like I, there's a story I I always tell about. I knew a kid when I when I ran track in college, and this kid came from came from missouri i can't remember won't say his name but comes in dude um was a hurdler our long jumper got hurt right before conference kid said he long jumped in high school comes wins conference as a f- true freshman and long jump sounds great kind of mm-hmm. starts feeling himself a little bit coaches cracking down on him a little bit harder because the kid has talent um messes around and just kind of starts missing a practice or two and you know does some things and it's the, this is when I knew college sports was real. I had these two moments, and, I, and this is why I'm going full circle. These two moments I knew college sports was real when I was an athlete. He shows up to practice one day with a boot on his foot, and coach goes off. Mm. What the bleep, mm-hmm. I'm going to send you back home to your mama. Matter of fact, get that off my track. Mm. I'm like, oh, tough love. You know, I'm coming from high school. Tough love, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Have a team meeting. Two days later. For those of you guys who don't know, such and such is no longer on the team. Mm. Don't worry about it. So that was like my one. My second one is one of my training partners. Um, and, you know, she she was one of the best in the state, and she was a highly regarded recruit that came in. And um, she started dating this guy and, you know, just wasn't always oh, calling out, a, you know, whatever. And I'll never forget this. We're on the bus to go to, I think I'm getting ready to go to Arkansas. I'm getting ready to run at Arkansas. Okay. okay. Coach, sit next to me on the bus. He goes, do you have such and such's number? I said, yeah. I go, yeah, I think she's sick. I don't think she's traveling this week. He goes, oh, okay. Calls her. He says, hey, just so you know, we're on our way to Arkansas. Just know when we get back, you no longer have a spot on the team. Mm. Uh, We'll finish out paying out the semester because it's paid for, but after that. And then that's when I realized, oh, this is real. And so I had to tell those stories to get people – because we get a lot of people that are saying – how could you say that about an institution that gave you a free education? Mm-hmm. And what essentially Marcus Williamson was saying was it's not really a free education. We you can't most people don't understand this about athletes. They can't especially high profile sports. Football mm-hmm. and basketball. You're essentially controlled on what you really can go to study. I that's a fact. Mm-hmm. You will go and they will be like that does not coincide well with your football or your basketball schedule. Mm-hmm. You're here to play football or basketball right on top of that most people don't also don't understand and this is why and we'll probably get to this later by transfer portal you're on a semester to semester contract just because you get the offer and you sign does not mean it's for four years Mm. you have end of the season evaluation so i say all that to give myself to build the house as we bring it bring it Mm -hmm. home with marcus williamson essentially what he was saying is which I appreciate. He he opted out, and he said for the first time he could think clear, because he goes, "You put your body on the line for these institutions, yet these coaches, these inst- and the people running can do, say, and treat you any kind of way, and there's really no repercussion. Like, and every and it puts you in a weird position as a young man or a young woman, because women, a lot of college athletes that are women go through this, and it's not as highlighted because it's a woman's sport." Mm-hmm. Um, but you you're you're putting an odd position as a young adult to make a decision because, you know, for a lot of these, this is how the only way you're going to pay for school. Mm. This is the only way you're going to probably make, you know, without yeah. having it. It's it's your only way out for a lot of these athletes. And so you put yourself under immense pressure. Um, you put yourself under a, a lot of body fatigue. You'll play hurt. Because, you know, the moment I take a playoff or I decide not to go, they can either cut me because they want to, or the next guy's going to come up and take my spot, or a woman's going to take my spot, mm-hmm. and then I'm still going to lose and get cut. And so these kids put themselves in weird, peculiar places because, what I mean, what, what else are going to do? And then I will add on to the fact of you have the pressure of, a, like I, I can say for Marcus, you're praying in front of 100,000 people every mm-hmm. week. Millions, actually, because Ohio State's always on TV. And so, I think... Hey, but it, as you
0: said, that's why you go to Ohio State. That's why
1: you go to Ohio State, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the trade-off. And anybody who yeah. said that... this The thing is why I highlighted it and why... It, at first, it gave me joy, but I'm like, it's sad. Because it's really just showing, like... And I hate ragging on the guy because I really want him to do better. Like, I, I, I champion all people for the most part. hmm But it showed me the kind of, like... It showed me what I thought always kind of went down to Urban Meyer programs. hmm it Like you heard about it, but as we know in college sports, winning cures and covers everything. Mm-hmm. If you win, nobody cares because you're winning and you're bringing in money and you're bringing in notoriety and you're bringing in the top flight athletes. But to me, it's, it highlights a problem that we have, not just in Ohio, it's not just an Ohio state problem. Mm-hmm. I believe it's just a college sports problem. And that's why I'm actually such a major fan of the NIL deals mm-hmm. because a guy like Marcus Williamson who's not going to get drafted. He's not he's probably not going to make it in the league. Mm. But I wonder how much money he could have at least made while playing for Ohio State being an Ohio State starter. Right. He he probably could have made and I, and I'm, and I'm being I'm I'm being conservative. He could have made at least 150k over his 4 years. Mm. If not more, probably more. Um so I just think it it's a I think It's a problem in college sports. I think NIL brings a little balance, but I think this highlights a grander picture for a lot of these athletes and the pressure that they face, Mm -hmm. Um, because that's the thing. Most people don't understand the ins and outs and the between the lines of it of, you know, I used to hear that argument all the time. Well, you're getting a free education, but I'm told what I can study. Mm -hmm. Like they get to tell me what I can study. Mm-hmm. And they don't also tell you, like most kids don't know that when they sign. This is a semester to semester contract that you sign. So after the season, ask any athlete. You'll have your end of the season evaluation, and your coach tells you if he's going to re up. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you, hey, we're going to, we, we decided to ex- continuously extend your offer. Or, hey, son, just so you know, you didn't cut it. We're actually bringing in three new five stars. Um, your spot's no longer here. I mean, Jim Harbaugh caught a lot of flack when he first came to Michigan, and he wasn't guaranteeing five-year seniors that they mm-hmm. get the fifth year. He was telling, like, you have to earn your spot. Mm-hmm. That's just the polarization of college sports. So I thought I thought it was weird that he did it during the Rose Bowl, but I also see why. he. Um, it's when everybody was tweeting about, all. you know, it's in the midst mm-hmm. of the game. Um, and I just hope, man, it, it sheds some light on college sports in general. Um, because I think there's some systematic things that need to be fixed.
0: Well, and I had two things um, from that, because I read the thread when it like started trending, which, I mean, you know as well as I do. He did it during the Rose Bowl game, because that's when it was going to get the most attention. Yep, exactly. Um, right. <laughs> but it reminded me of when we had uh, Dwayne Autry on our show, mm-hmm. right? And we interviewed him. And if you haven't heard that, I'd, I'd highly recommend you to go listen to that. He's a former. He didn't play big time D (laughs) one ball, but he is a former college football player. He's um, played professionally in the arena and indoor leagues, and has kind of become a a, a top player in that regard in those in those leagues. But he really just provided a very sound perspective on across multiple different topics. Mm. But one of the things he spoke to was exactly what you were just speaking to, where he was talking about balancing being a, a student athlete and a or being an athlete and a student because you remember he was saying he was on partial track scholarship, football scholarship and, and academic scholarship. Yeah. But he talked about how often once he hit a certain kind of notoriety, he would get pulled from his classes mm-hmm. to tend to tend to athletic obligations that weren't necessarily even directly related to practice or a game. It was more of like interviewing with a local media or a newspaper. And he, I don't remember specifically all the details of it. And that's why I say if you haven't heard it, it's just a great interview. I'd yeah. recommend you go, it's on YouTube and it's on our uh, streaming platforms. But he talked a lot about that as far as just know, if you're going to go be a college athlete, just remember, like, you got to go in and make sure you get everything out of it while you're there because they're definitely going to get everything, everything out, of out of you. And, um, and then, and then my other thing on that, Oh, what was it with Williamson? When you're yeah talking about there, there has to be a way to, to bring some balance because the reality is as well, like coaches or, or programs too, you don't, you know, I'm thinking from the coach's perspective, if this guy's guaranteed a four-year scholarship, what's to prevent him from continuing to do what it takes to earn it? You know? And so it's like, and that's where I always wonder when can insurance policies in the NCAA, like my brain doesn't fully understand that world enough to really be able to like put a practical plan in place, but Mm -hmm. there has to be some sort of path where particularly the athletes that, that could go on to make big money and even ones that couldn't could find a way to get some sort of financial incentive out of putting themselves through this process beyond just to your point a free education. Um, you know, cause like you said, $150,000 over the course while you're in college, if you just dump that in compounding interest, uh, you know, some sort of account <laughs> right. with compounding interest, you could possibly set yourself up for the rest of your life. You could. Now you're not going to be this big time NFL baller type money, but, but. You'd live I mean, you live comfortably. You could be <laughs> fine, possibly financially independent and be able to pursue whatever it is that you want to pursue once right. your playing days are officially over. But that's a, that's, you know, it did. It shed a light. And then I will say this. There were a couple things that, and again, it's, it's, it's this person versus this person. But Urban Meyer has denied some of the things that mm. uh, he said from that thread. But since we are on Urban Meyer, I've put a video up earlier this week, uh, or depending on when you're watching or listening to this, last, last week. week. Yeah. Um, about him and Notre Dame and it's continuing to get the same response. Oh, Notre Dame wouldn't touch it. Notre... I'm just telling you if he just disappears for a year and just falls off the map and doesn't end up on the media, doesn't end up on social media, doesn't do anything stupid. He just maybe even go to the broadcast booth, but I think he could just totally go under the radar. If he wants it, he will get a top head coaching job Without in college football. Without He doubt. will. That's just, it's where we're at as a, I mean, and in, in, in I think at a place like Notre Dame, he's the type of guy that could go there and win big. Now, as I've said, I do like coach Marcus Freeman. I hope he um, is there for a, a, a long yeah. haul and has success. I just think there's like this. They're, they're each kind of the apple of the other's eye. And mm-hmm. despite all the, the bad press and bad publicity, I even made a comment in the Lincoln Riley USC video I posted earlier this weekend about Urban Meyer and Notre Dame and something, you know, because that, that's the season finale uh, for 2022 yeah. for Notre Dame and USC. They play each other. And uh, people are like, oh, Urban, to, Urban to, to Notre Dame is just silly. And it's like, I get it. Right now it definitely sounds like it, and it is. And it's, it's very silly until it happens. Yeah. Until until it starts to become a, so he doesn't I'm not a like year off. I'm not willing to like die on the hill of Urban to Notre Dame. I mean, I really don't care personally. Right. <laughs> it's just looking at the outlay, looking at his history. I mean, it's not like he's ever been squeaky clean anywhere he's ever yeah, left. No, yeah, he's still able to get. But I'd say it's either going to be Notre Dame or it's going to be Ohio State, depending on what happens
1: with Ryan Day. He doesn't need a year off, and I know we're about to move on. If no if, if Urban goes quiet for six months, <laughs> some big time program, and I've said it, I said it before. You said Notre Dame, I said Texas. I said those are oh, yeah. two yeah. those are two programs that I could see him going. Cause if we know anything about Urban Meyer, he has to go where it's a big name, a big brand, and where he could have full control of everything. Mm. And there's in the World of Cups, but there's only a few institutions that will give you full control. Notre Dame's one of those. Texas, I mean, you got to deal with Regents, but that's at every big school. Texas is not one of those, unless you're no unless you're unless Urban, you're Urban Meyer. Meyer, right? That's the one place he could. He's the one person that could go there, and could he gets, get that type of. He'd control. get that type of treatment. Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if him twenty twenty two, he's coaching somewhere. Wouldn't be.
0: We'll see how it plays out. Well, um, moving on from that, we did have the Army All American game this weekend. Yes, sir. Uh, And uh hey, Coach Prime. Coach Prime strikes again. (laughs) Coach Prime. So if you didn't see, obviously he already has the number one overall recruit in the country. Yes, sir. uh, Signed to Jackson (laughs) State. And he just landed another one, a the number fifty four inside slot receiver, Kevin Coleman. Kevin Coleman and is but is he the fourth? Receiver in the country, I like think overall
1: receiver. I think number four over, yeah, number four overall
0: receiver, number fifty-four recruit over. Period. Yeah. So I mean, that's two almost two top fifty. I mean, he's fifty-four, but almost two top fifty recruits like in a signing class going to Jackson State. Some in the power HBCU. fives
1: don't even ever have never had that.
0: Some power fives have never had that. Yeah, the top overall recruit and another like
1: some power fives will get top two 50. top
0: fifty kids. Miss. That's very true. <laughs> Most power fives don't get two top 50 kids. So Shout out, out to I'm, Dion. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that continues to play out because this guy, I think, had it down to Florida State, Miami. It's funny, too. It seems like specifically the ones that he's getting, it's like Are Florida from- State is <laughs> their <laughs> lean. I think this guy, I think uh, uh, Kevin Coleman, I think he was – it was Miami was a was a favorite, but FSU mm. was right there, and Dion comes in – I think it's beautiful, man.
1: I think it's beautiful. What's um? What's the Doug Williams, the quarterback, former mm-hmm. co- quarterback? He he said he goes, he goes, man. If I was a top recruit in the country right now, he goes, and Dion walked in my house. He's so charismatic. He goes, I would seriously probably consider playing at Jackson State, and I okay. love it for this fact, man. Jackson State's going to be on a lot of televisions next year because people are going to want to see one trolls. And supporters are going to mm-hmm. see wh- how good Travis Hunter really is because he was the number one overall recruit.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: people are going to see, they're going to want to see either Dion do well or trolls to say, well, he's still getting all his talent and he can't mm-hmm. win. But then I think it's even more beautiful, man, because it's highlighting HBCUs and a lot of these kids. There's a kid from FAMU, man, I, I wish I could remember his name. He got invited to the combine.
0: The safety, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. But that's a big mm-hmm. deal, man. That's mm-hmm. all Prime really wanted was. We got kids at these institutions that can ball. We just don't, we need to give them a chance. And so I think, like we said, this has been a pilgrimage of some sorts for Dion. This has been a purpose move where he's like, one, I want to bring money back to these historically black institutions, which I'm fully on board for. But two, I want to shed some light to these kids that come to these schools. Like, no, if they if you give them a chance, they can play football, like Mm -hmm. they can ball. And so um, uh, man, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited to like, I'm going to find a way. I think you can like, there's a package on Jackson state's athletic website that you can pay for to watch all the games. Mm. I'm probably going to do that next year
0: because I get that subscription.
1: Yeah. I'm, I, I, I want, I was already bought into Dion, but I'm more bought in ever because I want to see, okay, man, you're getting some like high quality. He got a great transfer in this year. I mean, he's bringing some high oh, yeah. quality talent. Yeah, it's a so
0: juco guy. yeah, I, well, I, I'm all on board. I I was able to watch probably four or five Jackson state. Jackson state was always either on my second or third screen on a uh, college football Saturdays this season, because I was able to get them on mostly on ESPN three. So you mm-hmm. just go into the ESPN, watch ESPN app. And so I was able to kind of watch them and another, I mean, his sons being on the team adds to the storyline yep. of why they'll probably, I could see them to your point, getting more like ESPN two, even some ESPN games, maybe depending on, that weekend week. slate and yep. who they're playing. Here's what I think people sometimes kind of forget too, is when they're so quick to go, Oh, it's cheating. Like remember when, when, uh, Travis Hunter, right. Mm-hmm. That's the number one. That's number one guy. It was like, oh, he has a multimillion dollar deal with Barstool. And that's what set it up. You know, it's all this, this, you have to remember all these top recruits have families, right? They have dads, they have uncles, they have moms, they have mm-hmm. aunts, they have grandparents. Who did all those people grow up or or in their adult life watch? Like, who was their favorite player, right, during their era of what, when they or were... Maybe. Exactly. Like, like, I can't think of another coach who has that type of influence as a player over the fathers, uncles, moms, aunts, even grandparents yeah. of today's, you know, high school athletes right. and, 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 today's, you know, up and coming college athletes. And so there's not anyone really in that pocket of people who don't know who Deion Sanders right. is, exactly. Right? I mean, like, and this is, I'm going to say it. Dion, uh, I'm trying to think if I want to say this. I'm going to say, imagine if Michael Jordan, <laughs> <laughs> even though I, I do have to put Mike in a totally different stratosphere as it, as it pertains to like name recognition and like iconic status, even though, don't get me wrong, Dion, I mean, playing both sports, doing what he did and impacting the culture and impacting the game mm. and becoming as notor- notable as he was. But I'm just thinking if someone, and, and here's my point, if someone like Michael Jordan became the head basketball coach, even though he's proven like as a GM, it's like, I'm I'm just, I'm just saying, I know with all the, yeah yeah, my point is, is on just name recognition. Like, like most, most high school athletes today, their dads and uncles and like the people raising them, they're MJ, right? They're pro MJ because they're from the generation that was, came up on watching MJ do his thing. And it's like, most of them right right um and so my point in saying that is is you have to take into account that the most influential people in the lives of these recruits oh, like they were influenced in some way by deon sanders mm-hmm. like they were when Dion was a player and now he's a coach and now he's showing that he's not just some like flash in the pan like i'm just here to kind of like try to cash in off of my name and do right. have some big publicity stunt? No, I mean, like, go watch his documentary. Like, he's in the trenches. Like, he's grinding. He's having conversations with those players. He's trying to make men out of boys through the game of football. It's not just about, like, me, 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 which is the perception he put off as a player. And that's right. what a lot of peop- people think that he is. But if you even hear him talk about that, he's like, I did that for show. He's like, I created this image right. for money. Like... On, but if man. you really get to the root of who, Dion's like actually a very old school guy. Yeah, like, for sure. Very old school, like minded individual in, um, just funny because even like on his board, he, he, he had put like some of the rules for their dress code or something. And people were like, Oh, like there was a picture back in the spring last spring where he had he was a picture of him but on his whiteboard it had like some expectations as far as their attire and all that like oh oh you used to wear you know people were trolling getting on there it's like yeah but you you gotta understand like he was his whole point was like we're gonna earn this stuff right yeah you look good you feel good you play good you play good they pay good and all that he's like but there's there's a process to earning that and right uh, anyways not to get on another rant about that but I, i i think it's important to remember like who he is it's not it's not yeah that's right who he is like <laughs> <laughs> don't don't lose sight of that and, right. and, 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 and like he is the one individual that could go to an hbcu or any university he could go to Kansas I mean he could go wherever and he's going to be able to recruit yep because of what he's already done in his career as 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 a player, and then you look at what he did really for decade two decades in the dallas area as a little league coach i mean that's what's crazy a lot of top that are becoming top recruits were a part of his truth football program right and then people also forget man he
1: coached the all-american game every year with under armor so he's never lost touch of the current youth and we have to remember we've said it on an earlier podcast all these kids talk like this is the new era of athletes just because the guys in the league that doesn't mean he's not talking to the guy that's coming in in high school like they're always at camps together like social media has shrunk the gap of you being able so it's like the top number one travis hunter i'm guarantee you has some nfl guys numbers in his phones Mm -hmm. guarantee you he talks to some of those guys Mm -hmm. so those guys now play a role because everybody knows prime and everybody i'm like man yeah i mean prime can get you right and now these guys can ask pros questions like do i really need to go to florida state to go to the league and it's like nah, little homie like Go here, he's gonna get you right. And if you can ball, they'll come fine. The game is. I love it because the game of recruiting is still the game of recruiting, but Prime is adding a new type of a new type of swag that only he can bring to recruiting. It's oh yeah because he's been there. And because of who he is outside of the field and the respect he has, yeah, he's he's gonna be he's a problem to deal with. And I believe, man, if those two kids have success, which I believe they will. Dude, it's over. He he's going to keep reeling them in, man.
0: Dude, think about this. All the head coaches in the NFL right now, you know, if they're if they're a younger guy, like they're not one of the older then they were a fan of Dion growing up, right? right? Like, if they were Meyer, if it's an NFL head coach that's mine or your age, like they know who Dion Sanders is as a player from the same perspective <laughs> right, we do. Right. If it's an older coach who hasn't been a head coach very long, they were probably the co- quality control guys. They were the right. uh, assistant coaches back when Dion was a player. And then if there's, I don't know if there are any, I know Mike Zimmer.
1: Zimmer says, him and Zimmer talk all the time. Yeah.
0: He was the. Defensive coordinator or defensive backs coach in Dallas when Dion played in Dallas. Like my point is, is he has just as much influence talking with these NFL coaches and execs mm-hmm. from his time as a player. So it's like if there's anyone that's going to be able to get someone a look, if he calls Mike Zimmer and says, You need to come to this kid's pro day. Mike Zimmer. Right. <laughs> in fact, right. Mike Zimmer hired somebody from for his Viking staff, staff yep. off of Jackson state staff, his strength coach. So yeah, strength coach. So anyways, uh, we we can move on from that. Um, I don't really have any other, there, there was a lot, I know there were, there were a lot of commitments that were made and I don't, we'll have, we'll have to do as we get closer to signing sign like a, a, a recruiting type deal. But that was obviously the big, the big one of, of the all American game on Saturday. And then, Obviously, this past week, man, and it's going to continue to happen for the next month or so, or really next few months, because it's not like the transfer portal ever closes. But no, even the even transfer the portal's ball. going crazy. Just a couple headlines, Casey Thompson in Nebraska, which Bea Holmes was all over that from the beginning. Uh, you can go look through the archives of our YouTube channel. We hadn't talked a lot about that really at all on the actual podcast on our <laughs> show, but there are videos and shout out to our Nebraska fans. Uh Caleb Williams and Mario Williams from OU. There's smoke around them heading to USC. Mario Williams is currently in Los Angeles. Caleb Williams is still kind of up in there. There's still Ole Miss. There's still Georgia. There's still all, you know, Mm a couple of different places he could land. But as of late, UCLA and USC are also expected to be up there in the running. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, the former UCF quarterback, is now at OU. OU is now allegedly making a rumor for Purdy, who yep, you also kind of uh, have, have mentioned could be in the mix at Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, Zach Calzada, A&M's quarterback. The guy who beat Bama. Auburn, Auburn went and got him. <laughs> and then, uh, hey, and then fresh uh, as of, I think, Sunday morning, uh, uh, Plumlee. Uh, Miles, uh, yeah. uh, the, the Ole Miss backup quarterback. Who played receiver uh, this year. He is headed to UCF. So oh really? Okay. Yeah. Cool. So Let's he could that. be the um he could he could be the the guy to to take that, take the reins over there uh with Gus Malzon and I think Chip Lindsey is who he ended up hiring. So, anyways, I think when we get to talking about the transfer portal, and we can make this quick because we want to get to the the national title game preview. But it's the wild, wild west. No and no. but getting back to your point. It's it's on one hand it's like it's oh it's destroying college football and then on the other hand like it's balancing college football it's can they not look to I don't know the NFL or some other entity to see how they uh, B Holmes was up late last night so I was. If you saw that big <laughs> yawn just, now, I'm just kidding just watching um, money heist. <laughs> <laughs> but can we, can we do something where like coaches can't interview for positions from this time to this time and players? Can't, I mean, it just, it just seems like right now coaches can just go where they want, when they want, whenever they yeah. want players now can go where they want, when they want, whenever they want. And mm. at one point it was just one sided, right? Like only the coaches could do that. But the players, man, if you left, you had to sit out of here. now you can transfer one time. Mm -hmm. have immediate eligibility as an undergrad and it's just kind of completely shifted the lens then you combine the nil we probably don't have enough time to get into it but there has to be a way to structure this yeah where it makes sense right i mean there has to be
1: yeah I i think um well first shout out to jim harbaugh he's the one who got behind the one free transfer year rule um most people don't know that he's the one who loved the idea of the free transfer okay put it in front of the board which i agree with i think one i think no coaches should be like you said NFL. there should be a period like even if you fire a coach mid-season you can't contact another coach until his season is over there needs to be some type of tampering stuff in place Right. But I think with transfer portal because I've been doing some research and stuff on it. Like now, staffs are recruiting departments are now having strictly transfer portal like divisions of their recruiting mm-hmm. department. Like that, Mel Tucker has one. Um, he's kind of put Bama has one, of course. Eric Musselman,
0: that, basketball coach in yeah, Arkansas, has one. Like,
1: yeah, it's just a thing. I think I'm all cool if a kid wants to leave in the middle of the year. That's fine. Like, I mean coming from high school sports, you have it all the time. Kids quit in the middle of the year. If that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. And I'm not going to say if you transfer, you're quitting. It's That's what you. Want. I think, though, there should be another signing period for it. So it's like, mm. okay, even if you decide to get out, all right, <clears throat> maybe starting bowl game, bowl season is when you can, from bowl season to actual signing day in February, you can decide to make, if you want to transfer. Mm. And coaches can kind of, because, like, what a coach said, and I, there's very few times I have, like, empathy for college coaches, but they're like, it's just so much because I'm, like, recruiting my current roster to make sure they're good. Then I got to recruit the transfer portal because I'm definitely going to lose some kids. Then I still got to recruit the high schoolers. Um, and it's – I don't know. The NCAA has to figure it out because it's drastically shifted um, high school recruiting, though, um, mm-hmm. especially in the quarterback. I read a cool art, uh, article how, like, this one coach was saying it out of Florida, he was like, I got a kid right now, four years ago before the transfer portal, he would be on every major school's radar right now. But mm-hmm. he goes, all the college coaches in my phone were like, it's a safer bet for our, for us to already get somebody who's already been in college and getting the high school kid. And so it's, it's shifting the recruiting landscape. I think everything always balances itself out. Eventually it's crazy in the beginning. It's everywhere. Then you kind of find rules, regulations. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing to do is like to have a signing period, you, and you can have two. You can have hey, we have one from the end of ball season till signing day in February, and then I think you're gonna have another wave of kids transfer again after spring ball once they kind of mm-hmm. see, and then you do mm-hmm. one from the end of semester till whenever like fall camp is supposed to start in like mm-hmm. August. And mm-hmm. I think if you create two signing periods in the transfer portal, I think it brings a little bit it. Because kids are going to transfer no matter what. It, it is what it is. But I think it can bring some regulation um, to that. And then there there should be penalties for – I mean, I don't think you can stop other coaches from recruiting because kids, based upon the NCAA rules, and I don't know how much this has changed. But, Stu, if you can't reach out to an athlete, but an athlete can reach out to you. So you're never going to stop a kid who has a real- safe. Say if I'm getting recruited by Michigan, chances are I'll probably get recruited by state. So mm-hmm. I probably have a relationship with the guy on state even if I committed to U of M there, mm-hmm. nobody can sign me from saying, yo, coach Smith, Hey, things aren't going over at, well at Michigan. I'm looking at transfers. They're open. I can do that. Um, so you can't really stop that. But I think if you create two signing periods strictly, because even on three, the new recruiting site, um, they have a whole like recruiting transfer portal ranking mm-hmm. now. Like, mm-hmm. so I think you just create a separate signing period for transfers. You keep them, and then I also agree. I think they need to get rid of the, the early signing day, anyways. Like, just have one time. Like, this is when we're going to recruiting from here to here. This is it. You can sign your letter of intent, whether you're a transfer, whether you're a high school guy, and have for transfers two different segments in the year to do it one at the end of the season, one at the end of spring ball going into the summer, and then call it quits. I, th- I think that's, to me, that's the best way to do it.
0: Mm hmm. Or, yeah, I mean, what if you just made the February signing day a transfer portal day and then the early signing day in December? I mean, well, you can't do that because if you did that, then you got to look at the coaching because that's where it also comes into play is, you know, hiring and firing and replacing coaches mm-hmm. or coaches leaving. I mean, that's where there needs to be some structure. And
1: and I got to figure out the scholarship situation because yes. – you're only allowed at, I think, 25 a year. That's why, like, Saban and them, were they gray-shirt kids. Um, I, so they have to figure out a way. So I think, because it frustrates me when I play NCAA 14, right? So this, this is how this is going to parallel. Because NCAA 14, you're only, supposed, you're only allowed to carry 70 players. Hmm. But there's times where a lot of kids declare for the draft, and I just have this rule. My kids declare for the draft in NCAA 14. I don't convince them to stay. I just let them go. Mm -hmm. um and so there's times where i'm like well i'm under the 70 player limit i should be able to have a few more scholarships to hit my 70 i shouldn't always be capped at 25 25 yeah so i think if the ncaa could do that where it's like okay this is how many you can carry on a roster on scholarship Mm -hmm. and you're not just so if it is 70 because that's just the number i can go off of ncaa it's like Cause I really think it's 85 in real life, mm-hmm. but it's like, so let's say if it's 70, it's like, okay, if you lose 25 kids, cause you're going to lose a fourth of your roster every year to seniors, you do that plus transfers. So you lose 30 kids. You should be allowed to bring in 30 kids the next year to fill up those spots. So I think there's a lot across the landscape that they got to figure out what transfers, because that's where coaches are thinking. And that's why it's affected high school recruiting. It's like, Hey dude, I don't, if I can risk this on a proven player versus taking a chance on this young guy figuring it out, it's,
0: it's, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of regulation that needs to happen quickly. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then, and don't even, uh, what adds a whole other curveball to it is the NIL piece. Then right. you go, okay, okay, so where does that come into play as far as luring players away from their current situation? You know, Mm -hmm. how do we prevent this from just becoming a unregulated free agency? Right. But, and again, with the direction it's going, there may be some things they have to model after the professional league, right? They have to model after the NFL. Um, So, all right, well, let's get into this national title. We got the rematch, Alabama, Georgia, and I don't, I was surprised by this, but Georgia's favored. Yeah, I know. I minus put money two and, and a half. <laughs> so put the money line um, on Bama. And my first thought when looking at this matchup is, and I was researching this today and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find, and if, listen, if you're listening and you know of one, please send it to us. Like I my, just because I couldn't find it in my research doesn't mean this is right, but I could not find a time in college football history, really more so modern day history, Where a former walk-on quarterback won the national title. Mm. Found some really good former walk-ons that were quarterbacks, but none that won at all. And even a guy like Baker Mayfield, though, right? He started off as a walk-on, but then he ended up becoming the number one overall pick. Like, that's not what we're dealing with, with Stetson Stetson Bennett. Bennett. Yeah. And I just can't see a scenario where Saban loses this game of this magnitude to Stetson Bennett. Uh. Now, I have some keys here because that's the the angle I've been coming across. The, the angle I've been coming at this from is, okay, if I'm Georgia, like, what do we have to do to win? Right. Mm-hmm. And. I have three things. I put it down like, you know, three keys. If Georgia's going to win this game, it comes down to three things. And a lot of this was I referenced back to the SEC championship. First thing is, this is like just a rule of thumb in football, but Stetson Bennett has to protect the football. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He cannot turn the ball over and expect Georgia to win because he's not going to go beat Bama, right? Right. So he can't beat Georgia as well. And you beat yourself when you turn the ball over. And if you think about the SEC championship, I think he threw two picks, and one of them was a very untimely pick six. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was when Georgia was down 31-17, but it was their possession in the fourth quarter. They were driving, moving yep. the ball. Boom. Pick six. And that's when I think most people turn the TV off. Right. It was like, okay. And if they didn't turn it off, like this game's over. It's over. So – He cannot turn the ball over if Georgia's going to win this national title game. Secondly, I think they have to, and I don't know, there's two ways you go about doing this, okay? But they've got to prevent Bama from scoring in bunches. Yeah. What got out of hand in the SEC championship was the second quarter when Bama scored, I think, 24 points. They put up a 24 point, I mean, they almost doubled (laughs) <laughs> the amount of points Georgia had been allowing on average all season, yeah. they almost doubled that total in one quarter. Yeah. And so part of it was Georgia wasn't used to that type of right. Just when it rains it pours because they hadn't faced that all season, but if you think about it, Bama controlled the game in the first quarter. Going into the second quarter, they were up 10 nothing. I'm Were they up 10 nothing? Mm-hmm. With possession, I think. Or did they go up 10 nothing at the beginning of the quarter? I think they went up 10 nothing to start the second quarter. It felt like they were controlling the game. It felt like they were controlling the tempo. It felt like they were controlling the time of possession. And then Bama just exploded. And they scored 24. I don't know if they were all unanswered, but they scored 24 points in that one quarter alone. And so somehow they've either got to control the time of possession, which means they're going to have to be able to run the ball early but I yeah. think, I think that, that keeping Bryce Young off of the field, unless they've got some mastermind strategy that they didn't display in the SEC Championship, which who knows, maybe Kirby Smart's got a plan for this. I just, I, I, I think they're going to have to control the time of possession and they're, in order to keep Bama from scoring in bunches. Like they're going to have to, if they're going to punt the ball away, they got to at least have a drive. Right Like yeah. they, they, they can't go three and out. like if they're going three and out and they're turning the ball over, like they don't stand a chance. And then finally, I think they have to build an early lead, similar to what they were doing in the in round one of this in, yeah. in, in part one of this, but they're going to have to build an early lead, and they're going to have to get uh, Brock Bowers involved early and often. Like that was the one bright spot mm-hmm. of that SEC championship for Georgia. It's like every time they went to him, good things happen. Now, right. the balance is Nick Saban has the film of that, and I'm sure the one thing he's been harping for the last week or whatever it's been is, here's our plan for this guy. Um, but I feel like if Georgia's going to win this game, like it's going to be the style of game where they hold off a Bama surge. You, yeah. you get what I'm saying? Like, nope, like Where understand. Bama's making a late surge to win the game, Georgia's offense probably is stalling out because Stetson Bennett, it's crunch time, and Stetson Bennett, like, just... So they need to build an early lead before Mm. the game really settles in, keep Bama from scoring in bunches, control the time of possession, and not make Stetson Bennett have to go win it for you. Because if they end up in that situation... It's over. It's over. It's over. And all that to say... I'm 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 predicting as I said last week on this pod Bama wins.
1: When Nick Saban shows up to the National Championship presser with the brown leather jacket. <laughs> it's over.
0: That was a top gun style brown Listen, leather jacket. Saban too. has looked so
1: relaxed. Like even after they beat Cincinnati. Just that picture that's gone viral.
0: Like you just saw the look in his face like Dude, that wasn't even of that game though, I don't think. Oh, it wasn't, dude. I think Derek Henry was in that photo. So Bleacher I, Report, I think, just snagged, just snagged it put photo. If we're talking about the same, <laughs> yeah, picture, yeah, we're yeah. probably talking about
1: that. Okay, well, whatever. I, it's that's why the internet's powerful. I thought the, I was like, uh-huh. if he was looking like that after they beat Cincinnati, it's. This is what I say, man. Um, it's funny. George's been calling um, Bryce Young the gingerbread man. If the gingerbread man, you know, catch him if you can. If the gingerbread man can ball out. It's. it's over. Now the only thing is Michi is hurt. He tore what he tears ACL in the, in the SEC championship game. Um, yeah, so that's one thing
0: Georgia won't have to worry about. They don't
1: have to worry about, but if man, they did
0: at least for that first half.
1: But listen, if there's anything suspect about Georgia, um, is the back half. Now the problem, the thing is, their front seven can get to you quickly. Um, but that was like the one bright spot that Michigan that I did see when they played Georgia is when they did test the corners. We had enough speed to get behind them. We we scored on we scored both of those drives. We were able to complete long pa- passing plays. Mm-hmm. Now, if Alabama can give Bryce Young enough time back there, I think he 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 torches Georgia's back end again. Um, so, I mean, you you've kind of covered it all of the ways they can beat them. I didn't even go into an extreme detail because I just don't think they can beat them. I think not not because they're not more talented. One, I think Nick Saban is in their head. I think Bama is in their head. And sure. I think it's one of those things, it's like Tebow time. Remember, like, Tebow time when Tebow played, whether it's the NFL or college, you just had, and I had a friend that played against Tebow. Like, he played at Florida State when, when mm-hmm. Tebow played at um, Florida. And he said it. I was like, how real was that? He goes, "He goes, it's the most surreal thing. He goes, you're winning, you're playing good. Then he goes, all of a sudden, it's kind of like how Malcolm talked about talked Johnny about Manziel. Manziel. Yep. All of a sudden, you're just kind of like, it's happening. He goes, Mm -hmm. and you're fighting the psychological battle of it's happening. And the team on the other side is like, oh, it's happening. And so I think Bama has that for Georgia because, what was it, like two, three years ago they did the walk-off touchdown, Devontae Smith and Mm -hmm. and Tua. Like I think, like you said, they have to get a lead and hold off the Bama surge because the Bama surge is going to happen. And I think when the Bama surge happens, it's going to come down not to play, it's going to come down to mental can Georgia not get in the in the scary position of it's happening it's happening cuz mm-hmm. the moment they start thinking it's happening it's going to happen and we've seen Bryce Young doesn't need much once he gets that spark going it's hard to slow the kid down man um so my money's on Bama I'm being honest I don't bet often but my money's on the Bama money line <laughs> to me that's free money why bet against <laughs> this is what I'm saying why bet against the goat Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. I will go down and say it. He's going to be the greatest college football coach of all time until anybody else can prove to me that they can beat him. Cause what Clemson's the only person that beat him. And it took all world talent, Trevor Lawrence, the golden boy, a child from Zeus to come out of nowhere and have the game of his life.
0: And Deshaun Watson got him. And Deshaun
1: Watson. Okay. Two, two potential. I mean, Desha- we know what Deshaun was in college. We know what Trevor was in college. Like two all world caliber quarterbacks, yeah. who both were yeah. first round draft picks, top of their class, mm-hmm. to be Stetson Bennett's not that. He's not, he's not that. And Nick Saban, mm-hmm. as long as he's gonna find a way, he's gonna if, if, if my life is on the line and I could bet on one game and one coach to win a game, I'm giving I'm putting my money on Nick Saban. It's that simple.
0: And the other problem is, if you're Georgia or a Georgia fan, is does Kirby Smart believe he can beat Nick Saban? Mm. It's crazy because you look at what they came out and did to Michigan. And you know on some level he has to have reverence for Jim Harbaugh just because of who Jim Harbaugh is, was as a player, as an NFL coach. And then he's had tremendous success at the collegiate level, never won at all, but neither has Kirby. And so, but it's like he, it, there wasn't, you didn't get any type of sense that there was any type of mental advantage there. Mm -hmm. But man, when it comes to Sabin, and yeah, you're right. I I saw that picture with that leather jacket. I mean, it looked like he pulled that leather jacket out from 1981. (laughs) boy when he was on top
1: gun when it first know, he, came he, out
0: he was a you know head coach at kent state um, or, or ga or whatever maybe i don't know what he was doing in 81 i mean like he's had that jacket for a while he's had it. it for the right time um i retweeted it the other day i would love for this to be a good game just for the sake of <laughs> oh, if coach you're just Nick. listening B. Holmes just <laughs> held the camera up held the picture up to the camera showed his uh Little top gum brown leather. Somebody you know, said, brown
1: in 15 years. I've never seen Nick Saban wear a leather jacket. Bama by 90.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just because you remember a few years ago when these two teams played in the championship, it was their first time seeing each other all season. Yeah, um, because Georgia beat Auburn in the national title or I mean in the SEC. SEC championship that year and then Bama came in and obviously they had Jalen Hurts and they weren't able to establish the run mm-hmm. And that's the thing with Georgia and that was kind of the same thing that season is Saban knew okay if we're gonna beat this team we've got to be able to do it throwing the ball and our best option throwing the ball is this freshman I have over here that I'm about to put in at half well now like he doesn't have that problem <laughs> Now it's. Like big, to make that call, though. Yeah, it is. Big time. Stones. Now it's the – like, I'll tell you what What could really – like, how good is that guy at Georgia that's not playing?
1: JT Daniels? Yeah. He's a How good star. is he? He's, he's I know. nice. And
0: he was at USC, right? Yeah, yeah. He's nice.
1: He's nice. There's rumor, though, that he could have played, but there's been some beef going on between him and the coaching staff, and his personal mm. doctor is – signing off that he shouldn't play. That's okay. been that's been on the message rumor boards that he could he could have been playing, but he's decided not to. So
0: I've also thought too about this and there there's several reasons for this. You know, Bama had a little more tempo. Bama was playing, you know, even in my preview of the SEC championship, I talked about them playing the game laterally and I I, I was seeing it more from getting Bryce Young on the move laterally, mm-hmm. but they were, they were playing laterally with quick screens, those little smoke screens, where uh, Jordan Davis, it's like there were long stretches in that SEC championship where he was not on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go watch that Michigan game, He's and it's the same fan. dude you've seen yeah. all season disrupting offense, offenses. And so I'm wondering, is there something there like, was that by design? Like, I, I think mean, so. Was, was was Kirby In some weird way going Okay I'm just gonna take this game To just see what they throw at us Because mm. We're gonna play again But then
1: I don't think so I, I think know He just got man uh, That I mean Now people did say Maybe they didn't come out with as much fire Because they were guaranteed a playoff it spot It wasn't
0: do or die for them
1: But it's like this is how I feel. And I don't know. I, I, I just don't believe that because any athlete at any level, that's like, I went to Centennial. Those who were Texas listening. It's like, if I got an opportunity to play Frisco high twice in football, I want to whoop them both times. Mm-hmm. I want to, if there is no, i want to see them again. No, I want to, and you know, Georgia players have probably heard you can't beat Bama. So I'm, I'm, I don't think they, I would be shocked. Maybe they did, and they said, "Ah, we'll figure it out." I think they just—I think Saban just straight up outcoached them, and they were not prepared for what he rolled out there.
0: It's just funny you you just said that because uh, it took me back to how much times can change in a very short amount of time. And this is totally irrelevant to probably half of our listeners, but (laughs) as someone who was at Frisco High, like Centennial means absolutely nothing to me because they didn't exist. Like when I came into Frisco. It was Salina and Commerce. We're like, <laughs> we're like, you know what I mean. And then here yeah, you yeah, are talking yeah. about. and I'm like, I would like, I mean, I mean, But for us, yeah, that was yeah, everything. Yeah, man. I just like, yeah, want to be Frisco. Like, it wasn't even like they, they, didn't, they didn't even exist until yeah. after I left, and and <laughs> it's just funny though how. But if you talk to anyone who's been to uh, Frisco High in the last nearly nearly twenty years, yeah, God, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, they would they would feel the same way because yeah, that's become mean, this, this rivalry. Something. Yeah. But I used yeah, to come I mean, home for the Frisco Centennial game, bro.
1: Like, that, that means something to <laughs> I'm like, I,
0: I care less. Like, Shout I out to Tommy
1: Brooker, man. Frisco. He used to work for uh, FC Dallas. We got a suite at the game because he worked for FC Dallas to watch <laughs> oh, the high school football. That's, that's completely awesome. Texas high school football, though. Like <laughs> Totally Texas high school football. Yeah.
0: I'm sitting here like, does Frisco play? Uh, they play Denton Ryan this year? Right. Like, you know, that was... <laughs> <laughs> They're going to beat us by 40 again. Uh, they play Salina oh, play commerce on the schedule this year, guys. Yeah, know, no good, okay. good, good times. Cause it was weird. Like I just happened to be in the era of Frisco when there really wasn't that because they were coming off of Salina and commerce becoming the big, the big kind of rivalry, so to speak, and yeah. transitioning into a higher classification where they were still sort of trying to find that. And it just, just never clicked. Just wasn't there for those, Too. you know, three years that I was there. Um. Anyways, Bama, back to Bama back to it. national title. We just <laughs> totally rabbit trailed. But that's, you know, anything's possible on the Blue Bloods College Game Time podcast. Uh I'm going Bama. I'm going hoping Bama. it'll be a good game just for my own college fandom because it's the last game of the season. I can't believe I can't believe we've made it this far. And uh if you're listening, man, uh check out our YouTube and hit subscribe. We're yeah. constantly putting up bonus content and I mean, like I said, we're committed to keep rolling with this podcast until, you know, Either the wheels fall off or the wheels upgrade. <laughs> it's gonna cool. Go the wheels are to go. gonna upgrade,
1: man. The wheels are upgrading, man. Uh, Shout out to true. everybody that's uh, s- s- subscribed, supported us. Yo, stay up on board on that YouTube, like you said, Trey. Because man, that's I think that's where a lot of our off-season news goes on. We we update mm-hmm. every day, so um, stay up on that. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't subscribed, man. We're um, we're foot to the foot to the floor, pedal to the metal on this. Well, I think that's it, man. So. It- Here it is. So make sure you guys follow us on social media. (laughs) Uh, Make sure you guys follow us on social media. You'll see Trace beneath us if you're watching. That's Mm -hmm. on Twitter. It's Trace Smith. At Me on Twitter is at Real B Holmes. Um, We love engaging with you guys. Make sure you follow us on all platforms. Blue Blood CGT is our handle on every platform. And you can do the same thing for YouTube. YouTube is where it's at though, man. We're telling YouTube is where it's at. It's where we're really just pushing our foot on it because um. I don't know. We just love the platform. It gives us an opportunity to, like, put out so much content. And so we're committed to give you content every day of the week. You're getting a new piece of content. Um, So subscribe to that, man. And um, hey, guys, it's college basketball season. So sharpen up on your college basketball. Tommy said he was going to start looking at more college basketball so he can stay in tune. Getting ready. We'll probably do a March Madness bracket. Oh, yeah. Challenge the no whole doubt. nine. Um, but man, we love you guys. Uh thank you guys for committing and until next week. Man, I peace. Love college. Hey. college football hey. I love March Madness hey. Man I love college